Each and every Sunday we gather to worship, but why do we worship the way that we do? I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace, and this is The Day After Sunday, a look at the why behind the worship. everyone welcome glad to join everybody here on a monday on a rainy monday it is i was walking my dogs before this and got caught in the middle of the rain so that's just lovely i was not expecting it you know they Uh, have apps that should tell you what the weather is but that requires you to look at them which i did not do this morning so (laughs) well the the irony being that uh my app about five minutes after it started raining on my walk said light rain starting in dallas (laughs) thank you for that better late than never yeah i appreciate that yeah Um, Well, so if you worshiped with us yesterday online or in person, we're so grateful that you were here with us. If you were wrapping up your spring break um, and you were not able to catch up with what we were doing, you can do so on our website, wrumc.org. And we are still in our Lent series. Yesterday was the third Sunday of Lent. Um, So we're halfway through, basically. We have three more. Um, Sunday number six will be Palm Sunday, and then we get to Holy Week and Easter. Uh, and it was sort of a, it, it was a, a heavy worship service in some senses, or it was a heavy sermon, not necessarily a heavy worship service sure. in general. Um, but I think Mitchell covered a lot of really important things. Um, I'm sure that Bible study was interesting and impactful last week leading up to this one. It's a problematic text. Oh, for sure. And actually, yeah. I think that, so Mitchell wasn't at Bible study on Wednesday, and he asked me afterwards how it went, and I said I told him that I made everybody read the uh, the Nathan passage afterwards, like the prophet being, you know, you are this man, you know, like you are the man. Yeah. And so I'm I'm wondering if that led him to realize, like, I think we need that part of it to mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. not put a bow on it, because in no way are we putting a bow on this, right? There's no there's no bow with this. Text. No, but it does. I mean, it's important to to tell a fuller story, right? Um, and yes, and and I do think that it, it definitely gives you the the fuller context of what's taking place here and then helps you realize and kind of process like what what to do with that right like mm-hmm. not just to to like be like dwell on this idea that like oh we're humanity we're terrible we suck this is terrible mm-hmm. like there's there's something that comes out of it too right and sometimes it yeah. takes the the words of a friend sometimes it takes the words of a prophet sometimes it takes the like god just kind of beating you over the head a little bit metaphorically speaking um and then like <laughs> getting you to you know really open your eyes and realize like i'm in a really bad place and i've done terrible things and there's mm-hmm. but there's still an opportunity to to make change in the midst of that yeah i mean that's what's so difficult for me with this this passage being just one of the many in yeah. the bible that is truly horrible right and i have struggled terrible. with this a lot um you know moses was a murderer <laughs> Right. And right. and he's one of the, the pillars of our faith. How, what do we do with that? I yep. don't know. Like, that is not a rhetorical question. I really do ask that. Like, how do we find God in the midst of these, not just, oh, we're all flawed, we're all imperfect, but like, truly, I mean, these cats did some horrendous things that I, I don't know how to square. And so I really appreciated Mitchell like sitting in that with us and then mm-hmm. also saying it's, you know, we don't have to just leave it there. We do have prophets in our midst who are calling us back to repentance and we yep. do have, you know, the grace of God that covers us and that calls us back to right, right action. 
another interesting thing that came up in Bible study was uh, Colton was there and he was talking about, he feels like it's like more of a Western concept that we take these peoples and almost like make biographies of their life and say like, mm. this is the exemplar, you know, like even because oh, I was referencing, I remember back right out of college or in college or something like reading a Beth Moore book on David called Man After God's Own Heart, you know, and like mm-hmm. even to title the book that puts your interpretation on it, even though yeah. that's what like David is called that in scripture. So it's not like sure. it's a bad interpretation by any means, but it's clearly it's saying just incomplete. like, yeah. And it's clearly like, again, it's making a biography of this person and saying, we're going to make this person an exemplar. And even, even though there's bad things and we as humans do bad things, like there's like, mm-hmm. and so it made me really kind of think of like, I wonder how the, in the context of these stories when they were told, was it just this assumption that like, we're not looking at these people as exemplars, but just like, again, humans that, mm-hmm. Um, we continue to retell the same stories over and over again, just with, you know, exchange a couple different pieces here and there. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, Mitchell, I even wrote, I wrote in my notes, because this is a question that I have asked, um, how do we ever revere David once we know his full story? And, and Mitchell, it was almost like Mitchell was like reading my notes, because then pretty soon after that in his sermon, he said, even, quote, those after God, God's own heart are capable of awful things. That's why we called this, you know, chapter, We Are Who We Are. And yet, you know, that's not the end of the story. There yeah. is, you know, there is redemption. There is more to the story. Um, so it's, to me, it's trying to find the holiness between sweeping it under the rug and pretending like it's not a big deal, which it is. And also, like you said, swinging to the other end and saying like, oh, we're all terrible. We're all like, you know, depraved and deprived kind right. of thing. Um, Can I tell a very real world example of this? Go for so, it. So um, last night, about eight forty five, eight thirty, maybe it's eight thirty. Uh, Mitchell calls me and he was like, "Hey, dude, um, I think Nora posted something on our YouTube channel." And I was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> Which we had a friend over who's been kind of having a hard time, and his kids came over with them, and so like they were here later than what we really wanted on the school night. But but yeah. the, like the kids were upstairs playing, and and. Like I have, I just got a new phone. So my old phone was there and it still has like connected to a lot of my stuff, whatever. So she had gotten on YouTube, which is connected to our church YouTube and put like, they'd taken a, they'd shot a YouTube video and like posted it, not knowing that it went to the church one. And I got so mad one because she knows she's not supposed to be on the phone Two because she's no, she's not supposed to be on YouTube for sure. And, uh, and so I got so mad. And then like her response was, I'm a terrible kid. I'm a terrible kid. Like I'm just a really bad child. And and one, like she does this sometimes and I was like, mm, you don't get to play the pity party. And so we sat down for a little while and we talked about like, one, again, you're not defined by your actions. You made a really sure. bad choice. Um, yeah. The reality is now there's going to be consequences for that. Um, but also do better next time. Like this is a learning opportunity for you. And the reason we tell you not to be on YouTube is because we don't think that you're ready for it and don't fully understand it. And like now you've learned why, you know, because you posted something. And again, it wasn't like bad by any means. The song wasn't great, but like it had the potential to be really harmful for like daddy's work as well as for you. And like, it's like it ended up being a really great learning opportunity, but like, that's where her mind went though. Even though like we talk about these things a lot. Right. But her mind went to, I'm a really bad person because of this action that I did. Well, no, sure. you're, you're not a bad person. You just made a dumb choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's yeah, totally anyway. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is why I think this, this chapter to me is such an important chapter in our, our unfold story mm-hmm. because even though in a household where I try really hard not to teach that kind of theology and that, that mentality, it's still so pervasive in our culture. Mm-hmm. We it are is. defined by our actions. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm, I, I mentioned this uh, last week, too. I'm reading um, Kate Bowler's mm-hmm. newest book, and she talks a lot about the, the perfection culture. Um, and the performance culture. And so, you know, she, she talks about it through a very 30 year old kind of lens, thirties and forties. Um, but it's, it's broader than that too. Cause she talks a lot about, oh, you can put a filter on Instagram or you can post whatever you want. You know, you can make your life look perfect. But even if you're not a social media person, I think the point remains that we, we as a culture don't have a concept of how to strike that balance. We Mm -hmm. are either, I'm a terrible person. I'm, you know, I'm irredeemable. How could God love me? How could people love me? Like I've met many, many people like that. And yeah. I'm, I have those tendencies too. Um, or we say, well, I just, I have to look perfect. I have to like put on the perfect face. Nobody can know who I really am. And everybody, everybody's fooled into thinking I'm this perfect person. Yep. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, Lent is tough, but I think this year we're really digging up some things that for sure. Are hard. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, I like that we have the opportunity to do it like in Bible studies basis, in worship, like here on this podcast, you know, like it's just, it's helpful for me to, to not just think about these things once and then put them away, you know, but like mm-hmm. here we are for six weeks diving deep into this and having opportunities to really reflect and continue to grow individually and as a community as we work through the, the troubling nature of, of, of who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. I don't say that yeah. lightly because I think that we're, you know, still created in God's image and, and yet there's troubling aspects to it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, whew. I actually... I left, I left worship tense and exhausted. Really? I will be honest. I will be yeah. honest. Like it, that was, that was a, that was a tough sermon for me to hear, but it was really, you know, good because like I said, it is so hard for me to find this balance of all the terrible people in our scriptures, what is my faith based on? You know, it's, if anything is going to bring me to the brink of an existential crisis, it's this kind of thing. It's like, (laughs) you know, the, the, the huge flaws in our pillars of faith, Moses, David, Paul, um, Saul slash Paul, you know? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's well, definitely uncovering something I need to do more work on. And and this was a big thing that came out of Bible, like not to keep going back to Bible study too, but like Mitchell talked about this idea of power. And I think mm-hmm. that what people really wrestled with in Bible study at the end of it was that like, it's really easy to look at other people's power. And I think Mitchell talked about this too, that like, look at their power and be like, oh, they should do way better and mm-hmm. not acknowledge the fact that we all hold some semblance of power, sure. you know? And even the reference I gave of like, when the winter storm happened last year, winter storm Yuri here in Texas, like we never lost power. And so we kept our house warm and we brought more people into our house, right? There were like Mm -hmm. 11 of us living in our house. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But we were still using heat, you know, with the potential Mm -hmm. of like shutting down the system. And so like, Mm -hmm. that's a power, like we had power in that situation and in some ways we used it for good, but in some ways, like we were also a part of the problem draining the system because we had heat running, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so with the acknowledgement that other people were living in houses that didn't have power and didn't have heat and, and like, but like people literally died, like lots of people mm-hmm. died mm-hmm. because of that. And then it gets to the power. Like there's just so many dynamics of power. And I can look at the people who hold power as politicians and be like, you let this happen. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like recognize that there were people dying on the streets because even though we had 11 people in our house, we could like our house could fit way more than 11 people if we really wanted to, you know? So like there's <laughs> yeah. still a power that I hold in the midst of that. And I have to acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that I hold power in the midst of that. So yeah, well, this is w- really good. 
what Mitchell said, right? And I texted you and Dexter, and I said, this has got to go on social media this week. Uh, right. The only holy thing we can do with power is to empower others. Yep. And um, I, I have a version of that that I say um, as, as a performer, as a musician, is when I have the mic, I give the mic away. Ooh. When I have the mic, I give the mic away. And like that's, that. yeah, I mean, over and over. It's it's the daily and the weekly and the monthly decision to do that over and over. Which, not to make a ridiculous segue out of this, but I think the fact that, you know, we had, and back to the idea of per, uh, participation or perfection, you know, like we had kids do our statement of faith this week. Yeah. Which, like giving the mic to a child in the middle of worship right. is a pretty bold move, you know, like, and if you... It is. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I think you were going to say the exact same thing I was because yeah. uh, I think if you if you're listening to this and you've worshipped at White Rock for a long time, right. you may not know how unusual it is for a congregation to be comfortable with and willing to risk uh, worship not being perfect or smooth or there being a little bit of a pause or a, you know a transition. Um, I have I have definitely been part of faith communities um far and wide you know not not just in my time in dallas it where they were not willing to take that risk right you know there were not only children but also people with disabilities um elderly folks who have trouble with stairs right any anything that was going to create a delay or a perceived imperfection in worship they were not invited to participate and i just give thanks that White Rock is a place that, you know, we ha- we cultivate as a staff, but it's not just the staff. It, it is the congregation taking that risk to, you know, like I said, have a little bit of a delay or, or a not smooth transition or have to yeah. wait for somebody to find their words. It's worth it. <laughs> totally. It's totally worth it. And, you know, in some ways it's real cute, right? Having right. S- yeah. sweet little kids up there doing the, the statement of faith. It is cute, but it's also like a really... Great reminder. It's a theological statement. It is a theological statement. That's exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's a it's a win win on all aspects on my account. You know, and yeah. if you're worried about efficiency, then you're probably worried about the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, and and I think so. If you, not you, Phil, but also you, <laughs> Phil. If anybody sure. is, um, if you have always wanted to try to lead something, but you're worried about, oh, what oh, if yeah. I trip up on my words, or or what if I, you know. We've, we've seen it all. We've seen people right. literally trip. We've seen people stutter, you know, and um, <laughs> Phil, I you tripped, almost ate it I yesterday. I tripped yesterday in right, <laughs> rehearsal. Rehearsal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just say like, you're, like we say, you are welcome here. Yep. You're welcome. We want you to lead. We want you to take your authority as a child of God and as, you know, what we call uh, the priesthood of all believers, which is a very, mm. very fancy way of saying Come on. Um, that we are, some people are set apart like you and Mitchell and Keith and Josh, you are ordained for specific tasks. That does not mean you are set above. Right. So the whole congregation uh, has a holy calling to help lead and empower the community. Love it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Obviously, you can see this is one of my soapboxes. <laughs> I, no, I love it. And I again, like if you want to, if you listen to this and want to participate in leading worship, email us at right at worship yeah. at wrumc.org and we would love to get you worked in. And if you listen to this and you live in Iowa or you, you know, live across the pond or whatever it is, yeah. like, you know, we, we've done recordings before and we don't do yep. it a lot. Um, 
recordings in worship. But we like, can, yeah. But we can, and especially like yeah. if you're if you worship with us regularly, then I think it's important in part for the people in person to remember that they're not the only ones who are participating in worship at this time. So, yeah. so we'd love to include you, and we can record videos and use them for statements of faith and for scripture readings. And uh, there's just great opportunities to to make sure that you're a part of the worship, leading worship as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know that. We didn't mean to do this. We're just that good. Um, this segues right into the text of the anthem that the choir sang yesterday, which is God has work for us to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so, it, again, it really goes back to this. I, I was struggling with what anthem and what hymns to choose for yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I really I, – I chose this one because there is this sort of balance, like, like you talked about last week when you introduced the offering, we have potential for great evil and we have potential for great good. And so every time we choose to work alongside God and to do the work that God is calling us to do. So some of the text is um, till all the jails are empty, till all the bellies are filled, till no one hurts or steals or lies and no Mm. more blood is spilled till all those things have happened. God has work for us to do. Um, so will we you, got a long way to that, go. Will you read that one more time? Because there's so many important and good things in that statement. So, so Sandy starts us out. She says, till all the jails are empty, till all the bellies filled, till no one hurts or steals or lies and no more blood is spilled. God has work for us to do. <sighs> okay. Well, <laughs> and it goes on from there, right? I mean, it's just, it's. It's an incredible text. I get goosebumps every time, even though I have taught choirs this probably three dozen times. Um, Do you know the history of this text, like the context of it? I don't. I'm putting you on the spot here. It's okay. No, I don't. I don't know it. I mean, Mark Miller wrote the the music, okay. um, but he did not write the lyrics, and I don't have it in front of me, but... Um, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll figure out a link and we'll post a link in the show notes. So if you want to do some more research on God, yeah. has work for us. Or even we'll... just read the text. I mean, Yeah, totally. I think that's a prayer in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For So Phil, um, did you, did your children's sermon, was it inspired by our conversation (laughs) on here? 100%. 100% I think that's really cool because Mm -hmm. this, you know, this is not just a reflection on on previous worship. It's also a place of inspiration. So yeah. So talk to us about the, the peekaboo (laughs) that then showed back up in worship later. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I don't even remember why we talked about it last week, but I just, you know, I talked about the idea that, that God is never separate from us and that, def- oh, that's why, because we were talking about the definition of sin um, and that I don't like the definition of sin being that, that which separates us from God, because um, I don't think we're ever separated from God. I think that instead what what happens more in the, in the understanding of it is we basically play peekaboo with God, right? And whenever you I opened it with like the idea of, you know, you play peekaboo with little babies, but at some point babies start playing it back. And then little kids have this idea of if I cover my eyes, well, then you're not there, you know? And sometimes we want to do that. And that to me is really what kind of sin is, is because we cover our eyes and think, God, you're not there. I got this under control. And Mitchell defines mm-hmm. sin as like us making ourselves at the center of our own story. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just kind of played off that motif. And really I got it from our conversation last last week. And I thought, gosh, yeah. this is this is a great children's time message, you know, and it's a really apt comparison. I mean, I really think it's effective. Um, and, yeah. and you said you had a conversation with the congregant after worship that, you know, tell, tell me what he said. I can't. Remember. Yeah. He came up and he, he said, uh, um, I really like your analogy of this. 
And I said, I know, like, I just, like, I came up with it, like, talking with Rebecca and the podcast. He was like, I, well, one, I just really think it's good. He said, but the reality is, 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 you know, even if we, we create that barrier and, you know, he's like, I do believe God's always present and always there, but like, sometimes perception feels like reality. And I was like, oh man, that's exactly right. Like, that's, that's a hundred percent right. Is that even though I don't think there's anything we can do to separate ourselves from God, if we perceive that God is absent because we've closed our eyes to that or or blocked our eyes or created Mm -hmm. our own barrier, then it feels like God is, Mm -hmm. is not with us and, you know, has been, we have been separated. And sometimes, you know, perception is even stronger than reality probably. Yeah. And, and so then our work then to get through that is to figure out what do we got to do to take our, our hands off our eyes to make sure that they are opened to the reality that like, you know, peekaboo, God's still there. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and work. you use the, or you have in the past used um, the Headspace app. Yes. Correct. Still do do it with my kids every night. So I don't use it anymore. I did. I did for a while. I kind of learned I learned what I felt like I wanted to learn from for that portion of my life. But something that he talks about in one of his early lessons is, you know, when when you feel the clouds, whatever the clouds mean to you, if that is clinical Mm -hmm. depression or if that is just a bad cloudy day. Right. Right. The blue sky is there. Blue sky. The perception of clouds, though, literally clouds our vision. And so. It's not as simple as saying, oh, just mind over matter. Pretend you're happy and then you'll be happy. That's yeah, not that's what right. it is. Um, but it is a conscious choice to remember that perception is not always reality. And that yep. is a very important step, I think, um, for me, certainly, to to sort of come back to that is to say we can perceive that God is absent and God is not absent. Thank yeah. God. Right. Right. And, and a reminder, too, that even like today, like we said, it's a cloudy day outside. Those clouds aren't going to be there forever. Right. right? And And – that's an important thing to be reminded of as well is that even when the clouds are there, they're going to go away and there'll be sunshine again Mm -hmm. on the flip side. Even when the sunshine's there, the clouds will roll in it as well. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, Mm -hmm. what do we do with all that? So no, it's good. It's a, it was a, sometimes, like I said, last week, I didn't feel like my children's time really landed this week. I was like, no, I think that's a good one. I think we uh, (laughs) sufficiently hit that yeah. one pretty well so yeah well apparently you did i mean it stuck with at least stuck with, with a child at heart yeah, yeah it stuck with right. a child at heart named keith Payne boone <laughs> um <laughs> i got a lot of giggles oh, if you oh haven't wor- if you didn't see if you haven't worshiped yet like keith got up to do the in- introductory offertory and just kept doing it peekaboo 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 <laughs> So we had a good giggle out of that. Yes. Yes. Had a good good. giggle. It was good. And then Farron played just this absolutely breathtaking offertory, um, which was actually, it was a different offertory than he had planned to play. So if you were reading the bulletin and you know Dawn by Mario Dan, uh, Dario Marianelli, I always get his name confused. Uh, It's from... The Pride and Prejudice soundtrack, just for gotcha. a side note, was what he was going to play. He ended up shifting to a different one. Um, so if you know that piece, you're like, that doesn't sound like that piece. It was not, but it was something just as gorgeous, I think. And sure. it really, to me, it gave Mitchell's message and it gave the whole worship service just a little bit of time to settle. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was absolutely beautiful. I'm no, really you're, grateful. You're exactly right. Like, I don't know the last time I can't think of the last time we just had a, a piano solo for. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been, so, I think since we were online only in early January. Yeah. So a couple months. 
which I think of all this, like you said, all the Sundays, it was really well-timed, like well done and, and getting that because we did, we just needed a minute to, to sit and reflect on, mm-hmm. on the sermon, on the peekaboos, all the things. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was oh, goodness. Good. I know. Fun times. Was there anything else from yesterday's worship service that really stood out to you? Oh, there was so much. I mean, I think I need to spend some time uh, reflecting on Mitchell's three questions, right? He laid out three questions for us near the end of his sermon, and he said them pretty quickly. So I don't know if we could... I've got them if you got them. Yeah. I I don't know if we can uh, link these somewhere. Um, Number one, who is at the center of your story? Number two, what power do you possess right now? Number three, how are you using that power? Right. Um, which literally I love a good who, what, how. I mean, it's sure. just the structure of the questions is is very compelling. But um, those are really deep questions. So yeah. I think if you haven't had a chance to reflect on those, I haven't. Um, take yep. some time this week to do that. But um, but yeah, so next week, um, I don't even remember what his scripture is for next week. Hold on, I've got it right here. Pull up it the Monday.com board. That's what I got. Yep. We're in Lent 4 next week. Luke we 18, 9 through 14, which I have no idea what that is off the top of my head. <gasps> don't tell anybody. I don't what, have, you don't all, have the Bible. all of the gospel memorized? I don't have all of the Bible memorized, <laughs> but I do think I actually pulled it up for Bible study the other day. So here it is. It is uh, the parable of the Pharisee and a tax collector. Ah, uh, yes. The Pharisee is praying, thank God I'm not like this tax collector over here. Thank God yeah. I'm not like that tax collector. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, if anything, I thought, how are we going to go six weeks of this and not start saying the same things over and over again? But, you know, here we are halfway through, and I don't feel like we've... Like, we're repeating the essence and the essentials, but I think there's still new things every time to discuss of what it means for us to be human. We are yeah. who we are. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Phil, and thank yeah. you all for listening. Um we want this not just to be a, a conversation with two people. We want to include more yeah. voices. So if you have questions or thoughts, um, please do reach out to us. You can email, you can Facebook message, however is most comfortable for you. And we look forward to talking more next week. Absolutely. You'll have a great week. Thank you. The Day After Sunday is a production of White Rock Media Network. Join us next week for another look at the why behind the worship.